0: Well, before my son was born, my wife and I did a lot of speculating. We wondered what would he look like. We wondered whose features he might have. What color would his hair be? What color would his eyes be? We wondered would he look more like his mom or would he look more like me? Would he have her hair? Would he have my dark hair? Would he have my face shape or her face shape. And I think a lot of parents wonder this same thing. You know, it's this, this cocktail of the two of you mixed together and you're just waiting with anticipation of, you know, what exactly are they going to like look like? And we still do that to an extent. I mean, we know what he looks like now, but as they grow and as they develop, you see these changes and you see even these little personality quirks that come out as well. I know I even see this with my wife and... Her mom, when they're hanging out together, Marley will say one thing, and then a few minutes later her mom will say, unknowingly almost the exact same thing. And you see that little piece of personality that was passed down from mother to daughter. And you see that passed down from father to son, all of these personality traits. You take on one another's character. You take on one another's sense of humor. You start to think like one another and talk like one another. And it's just so fascinating as children develop and grow and become adults, seeing them become their own person but the way that they resemble their parents as well. And I mean, you know, you hear the, the anecdotal whatever stories of, you know, these children who look more like the milkman than they do like the father or, or things like that. and Or, you know, you hear parents when they're arguing, well, your son did this or your daughter did this. And it's like the negative trait. Well, that's not me. That's, that's got to be you. And, you know, all these crazy things that get thrown out there. But. I think at its core, the way that a child takes after their parent is a beautiful thing. But it's actually a model of how God's relationship is supposed to work with us because he created us in his image. So as we are parents to our children, we're supposed to model how God is a parent towards us. And this week, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm not going to do a a verse-by-verse summary of the entire chapter. I encourage you to read it on your own. But I'm going to highlight some key portions, and then I'm going to summarize other parts of it to get us to the point that I'm trying to make today. But if you look at the first couple of verses in Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. We are supposed to imitate him. And as his children, we're supposed to look like he looks. We're supposed to resemble Jesus Christ. And so, as fun as it is to ask questions about, you know, who does our kid look like? You know, oh, he's got your eyes, oh, he's got your nose, he's got your hair, and all of that fun stuff. It's a really important and serious question to ask yourself, to ask ourselves, who do you look like? Do you look like Jesus Christ? Do you look like the life that he lived On the earth? Does your life model the love that he showed, the passion that he had for the kingdom of God? Does your life resemble the morals that he values? Do you look like the things that are important to God? Are they important? To you, And as we look to the first few verses in Ephesians chapter 5, I, I want to go back to what Don said in the past couple of weeks. He was saying, you know, the gospel according to Don is, you know, if it wouldn't happen in heaven, then it shouldn't be happening on earth. And you see that in some of these early verses in chapter 5. It kind of continues that theme of, you know, the things that you shouldn't be doing, the, the type of conversation that you should avoid, the type of conduct that you should avoid and Ephesians outlines all of these things that don't look like God and at the same time we are encouraged because we are children of light because God is light and we see this contrast of God who is light versus the darkness the darkness that is our sin-filled world the darkness that is the devil the darkness that is our sinful nature that we're born with. And we see this contrast and this battle between the two. We have this light as children of God. We are supposed to be light. We are supposed to resemble light. We are supposed to bring light into the earth. But there's also this darkness. We are all born with a sinful nature and we live in a sinful world. And so all of those actions, whether it's gossip or slander, whether it's sin that we act out whether it's lust or ambition or pride whatever that looks like there is that stuff inside of us and and they butt heads constantly none of us are perfect we are all striving to look more like Jesus and and please as I talk about this today don't feel that I'm coming to you trying to beat you over the head or beat you up for all the things that you did wrong that's not my heart What I want to share with you this morning is that there is a possibility for more in life. There is a possibility to look more like Jesus. There's a possibility to live your life in a more abundant way. There's a possibility for more light to fill your soul and for that light to spill out into the people around you. God wants to pour that light into you so that you can bring that light into the world. And we'll come back to that a little later on. But that question, who do you look like, is so important. Because as Paul talked to the Ephesian church, I get the impression that some of them were living a life that didn't look very Christian. I mean, they were a major church that had a a lasting influence on the area and uh, on Christianity as a whole. They were a major player. They were one of those seven lampstands that we see later on in the Bible. I mean, this is a significant church, and yet Paul is coming to them, and he's telling them, like, Don't be doing all of this stuff. You shouldn't be allowing this darkness into your life. You shouldn't be allowing this to be a part of you. And he lists out all of these things. And, and, you know, I I really think as Christians, like what are we representing to the world? Because we are children of God. And many people, yes, there's a Bible. and, And yes, there's this model of what God is supposed to look like. But in a very practical way, You are God to the people around you. You are the face of Christianity in your home, in your workplace, in your school, in your relationships, in your friendships, everyone that you come into contact with, in the, in the grocery store, in the, in the aisles, and in the lineup, in the moments, uh, you know, <laughs> Jason Small last week talked about the Tim Hortons lineup and whether or not you're able to hold on to your joy as you get impatient, or with that tow, tr- tow truck driver when you're having a bad day. I mean, are you representing Christ to them? Because they have a good idea of what Christianity is supposed to look like, but you are the face of where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. You are the real implementation and the outflow of what Christ looks like in their lives. And for some people, you might be the only representation of Jesus that they ever get. They may not open a Bible. They may not come to a Christmas Eve service. They may not watch that video that you shared on your Facebook. But your conversations, the way you conduct yourself, That can represent Jesus to them in a powerful way. And whether you model love and humility, whether you bring peace and joy in life's difficulties, or whether you look exactly like those other co-workers who are slandering and gossiping and telling vulgar jokes, whether you look exactly like the rest of your unsaved family doing the same things they do at family get-togethers, sliding into old habits when you get together with those old friends and just doing things the way you always did even before you knew Jesus. You've got a choice. And I want to encourage you. Again, I'm not here to beat you up, but I want to encourage you that you can make a powerful and lasting difference on their lives because the Bible tells us that the light you as the light, are designed to dispel darkness. And you're actually supposed to expose the darkness in their lives. And you know, I don't think that that has to be in a condemning way. We see in the book of Ephesians, it talks about these unspeakable acts, that it's better to not even think about the types of things that these people in darkness, these unsafe people do. And it talks, though, about how you as light are even to expose them. But the thing is, as you expose the darkness and bring light into those dark places, you can replace that darkness with the light. And yes, sometimes it's painful when light shines on those dark things, when you've got secret sin, when you've got habits that you're ashamed of. It can hurt when those things come to light. But I believe that as the light enters our lives, That we can encounter a better way to live, a way that will break the bondage, break the chains, break those old habits, break the power of sin in our lives, and bring us up into the fullness of what God has. And so we see a little later on in uh, verse 14, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ Will shine on you. That's the encouragement. It's not some condemnation, but the follow up to all that about exposing the darkness it says, We are called into being awake. We were dead, and yet we rise up and Christ will shine in our lives. We are not being called into the light so that we can just be sent into eternal darkness. We're being called into the light so that the light can shine in and through our lives. And so that Jesus can be glorified in our lives. And I believe that there is so much more for us. And uh, I think that God has amazing plans. And, uh, you know, again, last week was so great. I was really encouraged by Pastor Jason Small. You know, we talked about those difficult times and, and moments where you can let God uh, be forgotten and where the circumstance can steal your joy and steal your focus and, but he encouraged us as a church to press in to focus on the things of god to focus on what god wants to do to focus on what god is trying to do in our circumstance and if you missed it go back and watch last week because it will encourage you in verse 14 it tells us to awake from our sleep and to rise from the dead. And, you know, as I read that verse, I'm kind of reminded of a story I read in the news this past week. There apparently, I think it was a teenage boy, and I forget what country he lived in, but about a year ago, he went into a coma. Uh, Medically induced coma, he had some other health conditions and uh, and so the doctors put him in this coma to help the healing process and to be able to better treat his conditions and to, you know, help the healing process. And then just recently, within the past week or two, they brought him out of a coma. And so he goes into a coma and everything's kind of normal. You know, stores are open. People are flying all over the world. Um, Life is happening in a, you know, the classic pre-COVID way. He goes into a coma and wakes up to this. We're locked down. You can't travel. You can't fly anywhere. Pandemic around the world. There's fear. There's anxiety. There's uncertainty. And, you know, life looks completely different than when he went into this coma. And I have to imagine there's probably a part of him that's thinking like, why? Did you even wake me up? Like, couldn't you have just let me sleep? Like maybe, you know, in the fall or whenever all of this stuff is behind us, like couldn't you have waited to wake me up until the world went back to normal? Wouldn't it have been nice just to sleep through the whole thing? Like there's probably part of him that's thinking like, man, this is the worst time to wake up. I'd rather be in the coma. I mean, probably not literally. I'm sure he's thankful for his health and thankful for the recovery, obviously. But I feel like some of us have felt that way. I know what moments I have, and I'm sure that you have too. It's just like, wake me up whenever COVID's over. Like, I'm over it, I'm sick of it. Like, yeah, I'll wear my mask. Yes, I'll stay at home, but like, come on, are we not getting close to life? After COVID, are we not getting close to things opening? Can't we just go back to the way things were? Can't we go back to seeing each other and interacting with each other? And I get it. I mean, I'm sick of it too. It's frustrating. There are lots of moments, uh, even on a very personal level, where I've been frustrated recently because these restrictions kept me from doing the things that I would be doing otherwise. But I hear the voice of God saying, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. You do not have to wait for COVID to be over so that you can do what you're called to do. You don't have to wait for COVID to end to be able to minister to those around you. You don't have to wait for COVID to be over to shine a light in the darkness. You don't have to wait for normal life to respond to God's calling. You don't have to just hibernate and go on this cycle of just one day, one day, someday in the future. I am telling you, Harbor Church, my family, that one day, someday, down the road, the future, that is the enemy of your destiny. Because one day can turn into never. Someday can turn into never. Sometime, somehow, can become never And so now is the time to take responsibility for your faith. Now is the time to take responsibility for your destiny. Now is the time to take hold of the promises of God and say, yes, I'm going after it and it might not look like I expected it to. It might not happen the way I thought it would, but I'm going after God and I'm going to fight through the struggles i'm going to fight through the red tape and i'm going to find a way to express my gifts in this earth i'm going to find a way to shine light in the darkness i am going to Find a way to pursue my dreams and to pursue my destiny. No matter what life throws at me, no matter what COVID or whatever else is going on, I am going after God and nothing is going to stop me. That is what God is calling you to. And I'm here today to encourage you that it is possible. God will make a way where there seems to be No way. God is still in control. No matter what's happening in the natural, no matter what's happening in this world, we serve a God who still moves mountains. We serve a God who can still shake a prison and open prison doors. We serve a God who can do miracles. And He will work miracles in and through your life if you will just say yes and pursue Him and take step after step of faith. And so we come to the next couple of verses of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. So then, be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. That hits home for me because I look at this world, I look at the sin, I look at how normal ungodly practices have become. I look at how we've normalized this idea of, you know, my generation and and the generations to follow. We've got this mantra of, well, I'm just living my own best life and I'm pursuing my truth and I'm just doing what feels right to me. And, you know, that may work for you, but, you know, this is my truth. And, and, And we've made everything so subjective and so personal and we don't want to let anyone else dictate how we live our Our lives or or tell us what is right and what is wrong and what is truth and uh, it can be hard because you know the Bible draws some very hard and fast lines it gives some very strict no-nonsense statements about the way we should live our lives and we can very easily say well that was 2,000 years ago and well yeah you know but that doesn't really apply today because of X Y and Z but you know I, I look at Jesus and he said I am the way the truth, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so I believe firmly that we are not called to find our own way and live our own truth. We are called to find Jesus Christ, who is the way and who is the truth, and he is life, and to pursue him and what he calls us to. And so we have to live wisely. We have to live in the light because there is so much evil around us. There is so much darkness around us. And in that darkness, I believe the light is more important than ever. If you're out on a bright sunshiny day and you know, you've know you got the best visibility in the world, there's not a cloud in the sky, there's no fog, there's no rain, there's no nighttime. I mean, you don't really need a candle. You don't really need a flashlight. You don't need the headlights on your car. But when it's pitch black and there are no streetlights and there are no houses and there's no stars because the cloud is covering the sky and the only light you have is that one in your hand, how precious does that light become? That's how we need to treat the gospel. That's how we need to treat Jesus in this hour. The days are dark. And so we need to act wisely and take the light that we've been given and cherish it and, and be generous with it and share it to those who are trapped. In darkness. And one last example before we transition into communion and remembering Jesus. Uh, I was really um, rocked <laughs> in the past couple weeks. Uh, last week I, I lost my grandmother, very important person in my life. And uh, you know, it, it was a really difficult thing. I alluded earlier into, in my message about some of the difficulties. And you know, COVID made it tough because I would have loved to have been down at that hospital with her as she was leaving this world and entering the arms of Jesus, but that just wasn't possible. We had some video calls and I'm thankful for the technology that made that possible. And the reality was, you know, she, uh, as she passed, I might not have been able to have a very meaningful conversation with her anyway. And I'm just thankful she went with her son at her side and she went peacefully and relatively quickly. But one of the things that I am so grateful for, and I'm gonna pull it up here on my phone if you can bear with me for a minute, was one of the last conversations I had with her. We had some video calls, and we'd also text from time to time. We had a a group chat, a family chat, and some of our conversation, more recent conversation was in there. But the last one-on-one message that she sent to me was just after the last time I preached. She said, just watch your sermon from last Sunday. It was inspiring. I love you. And I told her how thankful I was that she was inspired. I was glad that she felt that way. And I told her I love her. And, you know, that message could have very easily been about something meaningless or trivial. I could have been providing tech support for some issue with her iPad, as we often messaged about, or or something else going on in her life. Or, you know, it could have been a silly picture But I'm so grateful that one of the last times that she was able to experience church was streaming a message that left her feeling inspired. And I know there would have been messages since then. That wasn't the last Sunday of her life on this earth. But I think, how important are our words? I took that mentality as I approached this message. I thought back to that previous message and I thought to the words of my grandmother because I thought, well, what if someone watching this Sunday, this is the last sermon they're ever going to hear? What if this is my last opportunity to speak into their life? And I want to carry that in so many interactions that I have? What if this person that I encounter through work, what if this is the last opportunity they will ever have to experience the love of Christ? What if the, this is the last chance I ever have with a loved one, a family member, uh, someone that I know, a friend, whoever it is? You never know what's going to happen. You never know what twists and turns. Things can happen so suddenly and so Quickly, and you might be the only person in someone's life who believes in Jesus Christ. You might be the only one with an opportunity to share the love of Christ in their life. And it doesn't have to be a 30 minute sermon, it can be a small Way where you just show the love of Jesus by buying them a coffee or telling them you're praying for that difficult circumstance in their life or just loving on them in such small ways, but just showing them that they're loved and, and, and just sharing Jesus by the way that you live your life and by the words that you speak and by the conversations that you have. Because we live in dark days and people are surrounded by darkness, and you have the light, maybe the only light that will enter their lives. And so value those conversations, value those moments as if it's the last chance you'll ever get. I believe that is the impact God wants you to have. He wants you to bring light wherever you go.